Good morning. Now I'm gonna I'm uh, I'm do like I do. Uh, I think I feel like I'm at home, so I'm gonna do like I do as if I'm a few blocks over. Good morning. All right, good morning, Holmes Avenue. Hey, you know, I don't know if we got the, the memo. I always tell people, uh, you know, before, I know I'm appreciated by people who, have, who are hard of hearing, but sometimes annoyed by those who hear well. But I just get excited because I just don't, I know he's not just risen on Easter Sunday. He's still risen on today. So for that, I get a little passionate and excited. And every time I get the opportunity to be around God's people, I am, uh, and I don't take it lightly, the opportunity to be able to share God's word. So I uh, just want to tell you, in advance, just share with you in advance. I, you know, I, you know, inflectuate my voice a little bit, might get a little loud, but don't want to scare you. I just get a little bit passionate because I just believe those, uh, because I'm a very imperfect man who was standing in the need of a whole lot of grace, and Jesus did that for me. So I just get excited knowing the fact that I am standing on the promises of God. And because he is, I am. And I'm so thankful to him uh, for that. I'm also thankful to, uh, also thankful to both uh, Brian and, and Walter in the church here uh, for the invitation to be able to be here with you on uh, this morning. I never take an invitation lightly. I know there may have been a whole lot uh, of other speakers that could have I've come here on this morning, but just so thankful that you've allowed only me to just share it uh, from God's holy word with you on this morning. And I was, I thought Brian and, and Walter were my friends, so I found out the topic they wanted me to talk on this morning. But that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. But I still love them just, uh, just love them just the same. Uh, and so thankful, so thankful for what God is doing here in the park circle, uh, park circle area. Before we, uh, before we get uh, um, started, just want to uh, share, I thank you and I appreciate you all. I know y'all have not just done it uh, on this time, but uh, thankful for the prayers that you all offer for different churches uh, in the area, and especially uh, thankful for the prayers that you offer for Center Point Church uh, at Remont, as you all know, that it is a church uh, church replant, and, and God is doing some amazing things. It has nothing to do with me, but all God and His making and His doing. Uh, and one of the things that has been radically different uh, 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 there is the fact that God would allow uh, would allow me, who used to be right around the corner, to I think your southeast. I'm not good. I, I didn't mess up with directions, but I think I was more to the east than I went to the, to the north because I used to be the pastor of a church in Ferndale uh, called Harvest Point. But then when God would call me to go to Harvest Point, uh, to go to Center Point and be a part of that, uh, that replant, but then something uniquely happened. Um, I was trying to get another pastor to come in and take over Harvest Point, but little by little, every time I would look up at Center Point, I would see the people from Harvest Point at Center Point. And I was like, wait a minute. If 
you all are here, then who is going to be over there? And so what God eventually did was the people who are at Harvest Point end up in being part, uh, uh, a great group of them, end up being a part of what was happening, what God was doing on, at Center Point and for many other different places. But then what happened without planning or without even thought was we end up being a very diverse church. And it was all because of God. Multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-youth statement, multi-generational, all the multis you could think of, that's what God did. And we had no hand in it, but it was just all orchestrated by God. But what I would share with you, though, is the fact that it is never, never easy when man put his way, uh, put his way and his will in the way. I wish I could tell you that everybody was just happy and just jumping for joy because of what God was did, what God did, and what God is doing. Like right now, as I'm speaking here, someone is preaching. preaching uh, 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 one of the pastors is preaching over at Center Point in Spanish because we realized there is a very high Hispanic community here right around the blocks of our church. And we also have a kids ministry that is bilingual. And so a lot of those kids come. And now we are starting to have adults uh, that have come. We also have African refugees that are now, a, a new group just came today that are now from Zambia who is now uh, there. So now we have over 14, uh, 14 African refugees who could uh, uh, very few speak little English, but they feel the presence of the Lord and they show up every week. God is, God is doing that. But what I want to realize is the fact, I want us to realize the fact is that I believe this is not an idea that was created by us this was an idea, I believe, that was created by the Almighty God. And so this morning, I want to deal the question I have to deal with now a lot of time is, what does the Bible say about race and reconciliation, uh, racial reconciliation? I can, I can go on and tell you all of my thoughts and theories and philosophies and all that kind of stuff, but that's not what the question was. What the, the question was, what does the Bible say? Uh, before we get into the Bible, sir, uh, what does the Bible say, I want us to understand too and talk a little bit about what is race. What is race? Because that's very important because I think this kind of sets up what we're going to talk about. And I, of course, I went to a very reliable source. Y'all ready for this? Wikipedia. <laughs> to, get my defi- uh, to get my definition here. Uh, and what Wikipedia said, and others kind of was very similar, so I chose this one. If I was said, what is race? It's an, an externally imposed categorization based on certain physical, I wish I could underline that, Physical features such as skin color, hair texture, common ancestry, and cultural and moral attributes. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say our country has been plagued, uh, uh, you know, for many years with racial divide. Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I tell you, it's not... It's not something that, uh, you know, of course, a lot of people don't like talking about it. But this is, the, this is the thing that is interesting. I believe that this subject 
for people who don't know, don't God, are not believers, I, I can see how it can be very difficult to understand and to be able to come to common ground. But people who are believers, people who love God, people who say, I am a follower of Christ, I think it's a little bit easier because we can just do as, as Christ does. Now, I want to also want to make sure you understand this before I get started, is that I'm not asking us to go back into the past and, um, and, and go back into the past and try to redo or, or blame anybody for things that happened. We have no control of what happened hundreds and hundreds of years ago. God deals with us and our choices, not what happened hundreds of years ago. Maybe what even happened 30 of 40 years ago, but only our choices. Now, however, as believers, as children of God, we have been entrusted by God with power in certain areas. And remember, God's plan is so much bigger than ours. God has never wanted the human race to stay divided. God is a God of unity. When God first chose Abraham, God's plan was to come up with a system that every nation on the planet could be blessed. God called Abraham to get to the process of sending Jesus Christ into this world further along. And you and I have always been part of God's larger plan. One of my favorite verses, John 3.16, for God, y'all ready for this? For God so loved the world, the world, that word, the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 and the verse 20, he said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through the message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. The Apostle Paul tells us that one of the mysteries of Christ coming to the world was to be our peace. And Christ was going to reunite us into one humanity by destroying the barrier between us and dividing the wall of hostility. Part of the reason that Christ suffered in the beating and the crucifixion was to create in himself one new humanity. God's plan was to use Christ to reconcile all of us, each other, and to God. Because on the cross, he put to death our hostility. Do we want to let go of the hostility, or do we want to hold on to it and tell Jesus that he died in vain as far as we are concerned? Let me give you a personal testimony story of mine and how this is really uh, how the gospel has changed being and hard in my understanding. I, uh, I grew up partially downtown Charleston as well as right behind Gaslight Square Shopping Center. 
There used to be a street there. Before it was all industrial. There was a street there called South Bowling Circle. 2148 South Bowling Circle is where I lived. And uh, I went to school. I was a Remount. Before it was Dunstan, it was Remount Road Elementary. I was a road runner. Yeah, that's, that was the mascot for the school back then. Uh, and then uh, my, my mom and dad got, uh, was able career change. Both got some great jobs, and my dad's job moved us to a place called James Island. Well, the, the, the unique thing was, while I was here, very diverse, and then when we first moved to James Island, I had to go live downtown, and as I lived downtown, I was at school with my, um, as I lived downtown, predominantly all African-American school. So I went to a culture shock. Here at Remont Road, it was diverse. Then I went downtown. It was 99.9% African-American as I was at Mitchell Elementary. And then mom said, nope, when time to middle school, you got to come to James Island. And when I moved to James Island, it was a very unique situation for me because when I was at James Island, uh, as I was going to school in our neighborhood, I was the only, I went from being amongst everybody that looked like me to nobody looked like me. As an African-American, grew up on Harborview Road on James Island, if anybody know where that, that, uh, that was at. And so I didn't, I didn't had no concept of race. I had no concept until I got on the school bus in 1986. And all the kids were looking at me like, what in the world are you doing here? How did you get here? Who does your parent work for? How do you end up over here? I was drilled every day, all kinds of questions or whatever. But it was a good friend of mine in the neighborhood who one day kind of helped the bullies. And what was interesting about, what was interesting about that, it drilled, it drilled a whole lot of animosity because I didn't understand. I didn't know, I never was taught it, and my parents, at, at times, I didn't feel like I was prepared for what I was going to embrace. Then when I got to school, and they would drop me off on the bus, everybody who lived on the other side of the tracks, because of socioeconomics, then they had a problem with me, because they thought, I thought I was better than them. I never said that, but that was their perception, and so now I was in this crazy middle, well, people who looked at me didn't like me because they thought I thought I was better than them. And then over here, people said, you don't, because you don't look like us, our parents say, watch out for you. And there was this crazy middle space. And that was, middle school was tough. But then with change, something brought unity for me. It was a sport called football. And it's weird how that works is that when you put on that uniform, only one color mattered. It was at James Island High School and through football that I earned a different identity. Then it was, didn't matter about my race as long as I wore that orange and blue, not Hanahan orange and blue, the Trojans orange and blue. There's only one orange. Let's get that straight. The real orange and blue from James Island, all right? And so I became great friends with some great people. But what ended up happening, because of sports, I got, to get, I got to ride in cars with people I didn't get a chance to ride in cars with before. 
I get, I get invited to homes. I never got a chance. There were, people were invited into my home and, and, and ate dinner at our table. And we got to realize that really there's not a whole lot different about us. And uh, as you see this, my graduation, this is our seniors on our football team in 1992. I can tell you where each one of these guys stay at, where they're at, where they're doing. Some of them are going on, going on to glory. But, but this one, is, it was a bond, a relationship that was established. And one of the things, one of those guys in the back became a great friend. And he is the, one of the reasons that I am a preacher today. And it's, it's because, because of him. But the reason I tell you that is because it's so easy because of life circumstances to allow that to dictate who you are, what you believe, and what you will become. It's so easy to become bitter because of things. I, you know, I, I live with a grandmother who, who uh, she, she was here during the 50s and 60s and 20s and 30s, and I heard all the stories, but grandmother will always say, I put it all in God's hand. You know, I lived with a, a, a mother who, you know, who could not get into MUSC, had to go to Rutgers University to get a degree and come back down south just to be able to work. And then after that, was able to go 27 years later, be accepted into the nursing school and graduate second in her, second in her class, but could not go in the early, uh, late 60s and 70s. But these are the things, but, not to become bitter, but to become better. But what I was always taught is if we stick with the book, if we stick with the book, there's something about Christianity that causes us to be different. And we, we got to understand as Christians, there's only one race. There's only one race when we talk about how God, see, how, God see, how God sees us. I want us to look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5.18. We cannot talk about reconciliation or racial reconciliation without talking about this right here. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and watch this, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. What I've learned is that once we understand our identity in Christ, those who have been reconciled now must become reconcilers. As we understand that what God has done for us, as we understand what we have received, we begin to do that with others. Christ reconciled us to himself. First thing, so that means that we are all participants in this ministry of reconciliation. 
If you are a believer in Jesus, that means that we were once lost and now that we're found, we were once divided from God's presence and now we have been given access to it. And this is important. Uh, we don't worship, watch this y'all, we don't worship diversity, but we worship Jesus who came to reconcile a diverse group of sinners to himself. All right? So we don't make diversity our idol, but what we do is we continue to worship Jesus who came to reconcile a diverse group of sinners to himself. And watch this. And he gave us, according to Scripture, the ministry of reconciliation. See, the ministry of reconciliation is a gift, and we have the joyful responsibility of giving it to others. And while this applies to our individual spiritual lives, it also applies to our lives in community. Why do you think the Bible describes reconciliation as a ministry and message and not as a one-time transaction to the Christian? And then he goes on to say, and entrusting to us. Entrusting to us. May we understand that the world may not understand about reconciliation. Certainly the people of God who have been reconciled should understand reconciliation. God entrusted us with this message, which means that we are to celebrate and number two, be intentional about how we go about valuing the gift that message is. It's a gift. How are, how have we celebrated our own unique story and the ways in which God has reconciled us to himself? Have we exemplified intentionality with our time, our energy, and home to promote this ministry of reconciliation where we are currently placed? Man, this is hard. Because see, a lot of time, no one will argue on what the Bible says. We all have the knowledge that this is true. Matter of fact, we, it, we, we, I don't know about you, but I remember that when we were in Bible school back, uh, back in, uh, uh, when well, they would say, knee-high to a grasshopper, they were saying, Jesus loves the little children. Y'all ever sung that song? All the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in this sight. Jesus loves the little children of his world. When we will sing that in Bible school in our homogenous Bible classes, and we'll go out and pass everyone that looked different than us and share it with the God. Skip over somebody else to share the gospel, but anybody that looked different than us, act different than us, we would never share Jesus or talk about it. This is tough. I was reminded of my son one day that started me on this journey personally. I'll never forget my son, just like me, just lived in this world, didn't understand race. He went to, uh, for, uh, he was in kindergarten, I believe, going to cathedral uh, school on Ashley Phosphate. And uh, one day we were riding home from church and 
and he just looked at me. He said, Daddy, I have a question. I said, what's your question, son? He said, I don't know how to ask you this, but uh, how come no white people go to our church? And I was like, what? He was five years old. At five, he recognized something was different. At five, he recognized, and our neighborhood is diverse. Everywhere we go during the week is diverse. And Sunday, all I see is everybody that look like me. Well, he saw the same thing Martin Luther King saw many years ago when he said that the 11 o'clock hour was the most segregated hour of the week. Now, I know that, that hit hard, and there's no judgment on anyone. It's not diversity, and I'm, that's what I'm not saying. But, there, but it is, we have to ask the questions. How have we tried? Again, if we are to go into all the world, if our communities are diverse, our workplace are diverse, our, everything in our life is diverse, but our relationships are not diverse. See, I'm not talking about Sunday morning because I think it's bigger than Sunday morning at 11 o'clock because you can have Sunday morning at 11 o'clock every race, every culture in the building and still not be diverse because you have no connection, no relationship, and no community. Now, that leads me to the, why is this so important? Why are you going through this? Well, because, number one, relationships matter to Jesus. And therefore, they must matter to the people of God. Relationships matter to Jesus. And therefore, they must matter to the people of God. Can I tell you something? Reconciliation is not easy. It can be very painful. It could be very, very painful. I wish I could tell you it ain't going to cost you anything. Oh, man, it will cost you a lot. Can I tell you about the friends I've lost? Can I tell you about finances I've lost? Can I tell you about the people who don't, who people who I love because I chose to say, listen, this is what God is calling me to do, who have walked away and said, I love you, but I, I can't get down with that. Why, why, why would you leave a, a, a perfectly good church and why would you do that? That makes no sense because I'm trying. Because maybe my generation, but I'm trying to teach my son and for the next generation and the next generation, it don't have to be this way. Because if those who have been reconciled become reconcilers, and are going out into all the world, and our world is very diverse. Did a study, uh, I just did a study a couple months ago. Do you realize that within, if you would take a one-mile pin from Holmes, Holmes Avenue Baptist Church, I did it for Center Point Church, how, this is probably the most diverse area in the state of South Carolina most diverse socioeconomically, most diverse ethnically, and most diverse culturally, right here one mile of Park Circle. And that's why all the Northerners are coming here, because that's what they're coming for, because it reminds them of where they have where they're at. 
And it's, it's weird because I was talking to, we have a lot of people from up north and west coast. They're like, when they come here, you know what they say? Y'all still talking about that? Y'all still dealing with that? We, we, that's, that was, that's not a problem. We, we never had that. It was all, all about it. We don't have a, this type of church at that time. It's, you know, that, that's, still a, that's still an issue. Reconciliation costs comfort. And why? But watch this. You ready? Racial reconciliation requires repentance, confession, forgiveness, and truth-telling. Racial reconciliation requires repentance, confession, forgiveness, and truth-telling. See, repentance, we, we've got to realize, basically, re- repentance is just a change of mind, change of heart, reformation of life. What are we going to do different? Because, see, we can, you know, we can have moments where we say, man, that's, 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 that's bad, but how do, how do we change? As, as God has impressed upon us, the Holy Spirit has impressed upon our heart, how do we change? How do we change our conversations? Do we act like we don't see what, what's going on? And sometimes we are, so, we are more influenced by the media and social media and everything we see than we are by the word of God. We allow the media to give us the abstracts for who people are before we, we invite them to get to know them. We, 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 we make the stereotype for people. We judge people by appearance and whether then, then have we really taken the opportunity to get to know them. And if that's us, I got to say this is something we, we need to repent. I had to take that step because I realized that, you know, I had the, I had the Peter syndrome. I was trying to please everybody. You know, so, so let, me, let me tell you with the Peter syndrome, there was a time, now Peter, he preached about, he said he knew that the gospel was going to be for everybody, but then when he got, there was a time when he was down with the Gentiles, and he was eating pork chops, chitlins, and all that other good stuff, right? And, and, and he was having a good time with the Gentiles, but then when the Jews started to come around, then he wanted to get up like he wasn't with them, Galatians chapter 2. And then Paul did something unique there. Paul didn't pull him to the side and say, man, what's going on here? Paul, the Bible says that Paul withstood him to the face and said, you are to blame. You know the right thing. You know there is no difference, Jew and Gentile. We all reconcile into one body. Why are you doing this? You're going to be part of the problem. Well, I've been guilty many times because I, wanted, I, want, to, I, want, I want to fit in over here and, and, and try to help. I don't want to lose the relationships I have here, but at the same time, I don't want to lose over here. So when the Gentile, I act like a Gentile, and with the Jew, I'm, I'm like a Jew. But then again, why can't we just be Christians? And sometimes realize that if people don't have the same mind, say, it will cost you some things. What cost you, you know, I wish I could tell you, it wouldn't, my wife and I, we can tell you about the relationships that we've lost. Trying to love people who were different 
than us. We would tell you about the finances and opportunities we've lost because people don't agree. Now, I've heard people share, man, when we finally get something for ourselves, now that's the last thing we had was church. Now we're giving that up. No, we're not. We get on to a bigger purpose because I believe it ought to be on earth as it is in heaven. I read that somewhere. I can't, I, I, I want to be a part of what God is doing. And last, well, at least, why is this so important? Why is this so important? Why, why, why would the leadership here, why would people, all, why is this even an important topic to talk about? Because we need to know, we need to get this down in our spirit, that the gospel is for all. The gospel is for all. And why, why is that important? Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11, he said, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But this is the part right here I love. But now in Christ Jesus, those who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, have made us one, and have broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace and preached peace to you who were far off, and to those who were near. As we conclude, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that God saw fit to reconcile us unto himself. But what do we do from here? What does that mean? What, 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 are, what are some of the things that, what does that mean when number one, we can start by fasting and praying. Praying for the humility because it takes a lot of humility and a heart that longs for reconciliation. It takes a heart that longs for reconciliation. Another thing to do is it starts by having some hard conversations. Now, but watch this. But in conversation, it's not about a blaming, but it is what I've learned from a lot of my good friends. A lot of people are just don't know. Because if it's not your world, if not your perspective, you just wouldn't know. But that's where it starts with conversation. We've got to start having conversation. But watch this. When you have conversation, set up rules. Set up those rules. And one of the rules I always have is let's seek to understand and not just be understood. 
Seek to under, so I'm not just trying there to prove my point of how bad or how hurt I've always been and this and that and how bad you, no, 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 no. I want to understand your perspective. I want to understand your perspective, your plight, and this and, and then if we're both trying to understand each other, reconciliation could happen. Because watch this. The difference between forgiveness and reconciliation, see, forgiveness one person can do, but reconciliation takes two. And now, one of the things I have to do is I have to understand where you're coming from. And one of the things I believe that if we, I believe if we would just open our hearts to the Word of God, I think this subject will be null and void. If we truly Truly, 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 just listen to the gospel. Let the gospel speak to our heart. And Jesus said, because I believe it's hard. It's hard. How can I hate? How can I hate and not love somebody created in the image of God? Let that question sit there. We are all image bearers. And you know, and even in our history, there are times for purposes of tax where there were people in the image of God counted as three-fifths of a person. That's history. That's truth. It was our history. But it ain't biblical. My ancestors were in the image of God. So is yours. And guess what? Just as Jesus had to go through Samaria to let this woman know, hey, listen, I'm not going around like many others have done. I must go through Samaria. I must go through Samaria. And I got to go through Samaria because I want you to know that this gospel is for you too. No, you know, but your people don't talk to my people. Yeah, that's back then. But I got to come here today. And I want you to drink of this water. And if I think if we start drinking of Jesus' water, we can see reconciliation happen today. Will y'all pray with me? Our Father, our God, who art in heaven, we come to you at this time just giving thanks. Father, thanking you for, number one, the, the gift and ministry of reconciliation, allowing us to, to be here, allowing us to be able to under, uh, being able to, uh, just be able to speak from your word. Father, thanking you for the ministry of reconciliation and where all the, the people, different races, different social economics, disadvantage, anyone can come to your father, come to the father through the son. Thankful for what took place on the cross. Thankful for what you're doing here at Holmes Avenue. Thank you for the, even the opportunity to be able to share from your word. And Father, today, Father, this word rests heavy on a lot of our hearts. Father, we pray that we would not just allow it and just good information, but it would lead to transformation. Father, we pray that it would work on our hearts in such a way that we would start looking for ways to open, open our hearts and open our tables. 
Father, created opportunities to have conversations, maybe conversations we've never had before. Father, maybe somebody here today said, you know what, I have not done all that I can to, to, to be able to meet and make new relationships that are different than what I may be used to. But Father, may we all have the courage to take the first step. Realizing for some it may not be easy, and it may also come with some loss. But Father, we know that you are a God who sustains, and any time we take a step in, uh, take a step through your power, Father, you would give us and you would equip us to do all that we need to do. Father, this is our prayer that we ask in dollars on Jesus Christ's name. Let the church say, Amen, Amen, Amen.